Treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to the amazing world of radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to the amazing world of radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, we are uh, going ahead and bringing you the second episode in our series of The Whistler, The Lost Episodes. And this program originally aired over network radio on uh, September the 12th, 1954, and the title is Landslide. The Whistler. Presented by the United States Air Forces in Europe. I am the Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Whistler will continue in just a moment. And now, the Whistler's strange story, Landslide. Walter Stone was a big man, presenting a formidable appearance. It would seem as if he would be capable of standing up to almost anything. In some men, there's the will to do that. But in others, there's an instinct to run, to take the easy way out. And in spite of his forceful look, his seeming aggressiveness, Walter Stone was one of those. He'd settled many things in his life by running. Settled them, at least in his own mind, by pushing them into the background through the satisfaction of motion and escape. And tonight, because Walter Stone finds himself in a situation from which he can't run... He feels trapped, fenced in. His reactions are not of reason, but of a quivering bewilderment. And every shout and cry that reaches his ears adds to his frustration and confusion. Send him out, sir! Send him out, or we're coming after him! It's like an angry tide, rising and falling. The shouting and muttering of the crowd milling around outside the jail in Weatherby, Arizona. Inside there is fear and a desperation. The fear in the heart of Walter Stone. Because the crowd wants you, don't they, Walter? The desperation in the minds of the sheriff and his deputy. Because they aren't certain they can prevent the crowd from taking you. And then the tide rises to a terrifying peak. A fury that somehow has to be resolved. The 
better do something, Sheriff. They're not giving up. Uh, Can't you talk to him? Explain? Explain what, Mr. Stone? That you're sorry now? Sorry that you accidentally shot and killed one of their most beloved citizens and ran away and left him to die? Look, I couldn't help it. Tell him I couldn't help. Tell him it was an accident. You could help running off, leaving him to die. Well, I, I, I got rattled. Yeah, sure. So rattled you left an innocent man to die because you were hunting out of season. I didn't realize what I was doing, Sheriff. I didn't have anything. They're getting out of hand, Sheriff. What do you think? Well, I think we're not going to be able to stop him. Oh, you can't give me up to him. You can't do that. I... I got my rights. You going to give him up, Sheriff? No. No, I'm not going to give him up. Those people are basically law-abiding. I'd only maul him, beat him up a bit. But it's my duty to protect my prisoner. Sworn duty. All right, Jim. You better take Stone upstairs. Upstairs? Yeah. Might be just one idiot in that crowd that'd do something rash. Better get him out a back window to the roof of the next building. Then over to the courthouse. Okay. To the courthouse? My car's parked there. Here. Here, Jim. Here's the keys. Now, listen to me. Drive him to Millburg. Have them put him in jail there. Okay. Come on, Stone. But what if they get us? There's a chance they won't this way. Well? Okay, okay, I'm right with you. It's terrifying, isn't it, Walter? Like a nightmare. Ever since you were caught only a few miles from the spot where you accidentally shot a man. Caught and put in jail. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? Yes. There's the cold, simple fact that you can't stand any heavy questioning by the police because of your past record. A record of unsavory escapades, occasional crime, and one prison term. You must escape more than that milling crowd in the street below. And almost without thinking about it, you know that you're watching for your chance, even as you and the sheriff's deputy make your way along a ledge and drop to the roof of the building next door. Where are they, Jim? Do you see anybody out there? We'll make a stone. Nobody out back here. Oh, good. And that courthouse is just around the corner? That's right. You don't have to pass the mob. Oh. Are you sure I've been a big help, Jim? I haven't meant to be. I just follow orders. Huh? I got no stomach for cowards that leave wounded men to die. Accidental shooting or not. Oh, I guess not. Come on. We can drop into the alley from the fire escape here. You mean I can drop into the alley? Uh Uh-huh. This is as far as you go, Jim. You're certain the deputy won't revive for a while, aren't you, Walter? Quite a while. And not without medical attention. You make your way down into the alley. Dart swiftly around the corner to the courthouse where the sheriff's car is parked. But there's a girl standing there waiting for someone. You wonder what to do and decide very suddenly. All right, you get in the car. Get in, I said. Oh, don't. I'm not yelling for anybody. Now get in. Or I'll drag you in. Ah, nobody's telling the sheriff I drove off alone, sister. Not even you. Are you going to ride for a few miles? <laughs> not bad. Not bad at all. Sheriff's car, nobody will stop it. You just keep quiet, sister, and everything will be all right. For both of us. The pressure has eased momentarily, hasn't it, Walter? The dread-dulling fear that encircles your heart and mind back in the tiny jail. It's gone. And the shouts of the angry, determined crowd are gone, too. And there's only an open highway ahead of you and the almost certain prospect of escape. 
The sheriff's car will help, won't it? Because until they find his deputy on the roof of that building, find him and revive him, you're certain that no one will know you're driving the car yourself. You let up on the accelerator now and glance at the terrified girl beside you. She's very quiet, isn't she, Walter? Almost numb with fear. I guess you wonder what I'm going to do with you. You got yourself into this, you know. I couldn't leave any witnesses back there. You have a witness. Anyone who does a thing as terrible as you did always has a witness. Oh, look, don't start preaching. They'll catch you. You must know that. What were you doing at the courthouse? I was waiting for the sheriff. I wanted to talk to him about Uncle Fred. Who's he? Fred Weatherby. He's the man you shot and left to die. Oh, he, he was your uncle, huh? That's right. I'm Doris Weatherby. My Uncle Fred was one of the kindest, most beloved men in the, in the town. Why, he's been county road commissioner for years. Oh, listen, I couldn't help it. I didn't mean to do it. They said you ran off and left him wounded. Why? Well, I... I had my reasons. No one could have good enough reason to do a thing like that. They said you... Well, if you'd helped him or called a doctor right away... Oh, there's the train. I have to stop. You're pretty careful where your own life is concerned, aren't you? Forget it, will you? I feel sorry for you in a way, Mr. Stone. Such a big man in appearance, I mean. But you're so small, so very small inside. Oh, forget it, I said. Stop talking like that. Mr. Stone, look. What? Over there, police. Police? Where? I... Here, what are you doing? Here, come back here. You little fool. The girl leaped from the car so suddenly that it leaves you helpless, doesn't it, Walter? You weren't even watching her because of her remark about the police. And of course, there were not. Just a trick. But you must catch her, Walter. You're not far enough away from town, are you? And if Doris reaches the sheriff, talks to him, you'll have to abandon his car immediately. You jump out and race down the railroad tracks in pursuit. But it's no use. You stop, listen for her, peering into the darkness and wondering what to do. The fear is starting again, isn't it, Walter? You're confused and trembling as you head back to the car and stop just in time to see a pair of state troopers looking over the car. You're so close there. you can hear their voice. Yeah, funny he'd leave it here so close to the railroad track. Oh, well, maybe he's around here somewhere, Dave. All right. Maybe. Hey, wait a minute. Well, what, what's wrong, Look, look. What? Somebody hiding out there, see, in the field? Hey, come out of there, you. Not a chance. You cut across the field, running a zigzag course. The shots of the state troopers whistling over your head. And you can hear them coming after you. You wonder if you can go on, don't you, Walter? Perhaps you shouldn't give up, but somehow you don't. Somehow you summon the strength to outdistance them. And make your way down a shallow creek bed. You stumble into a protecting growth of underbrush. Huddle there quietly, almost afraid to breathe. You hear the troopers coming towards you. Hey, Dave, think we lost them? I'm afraid so. I was wondering. Suppose we winged them? Well, I didn't. 
I was firing over his head. I wish we knew what it was all about. Whoever he was, he must have been driving the sheriff's car. Sure beats me. Uh, Well, go on back. We'll call in a report. Yeah, like looking for a needle in a haystack. It was close, wasn't it, Walter? And you wonder what you're going to do now. For one thing, you remain hidden for at least another 20 minutes. And then finally, move out of the creek. And then, after a half a mile of walking, you catch sight of a light in a farmhouse and cautiously make your way up to the front door. Huh? Who's there? Thank you, Hank? No, no, uh... Uh, mister, uh, my name is Edwards. I I ran out of gas, but I have to get to the next town because my wife is sick. Oh, I'm Jess Jensen. Oh, hi. Out of gas, huh? Yeah. yeah. That's too bad. Uh, I got a drum of gasoline out in the tool shed. I'll fill a can up for a young fella. Yeah, I can do that. Oh, you got a car? Yep. Oh, you, you mean you'd like me to drive you back to yours? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Oh, good. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, you wait here, young fella. I'll go get the keys. Thanks. Thanks a lot. It's a break, isn't it, Walter? Finding a man as cooperative as Jess Jensen. And your hand tightens around the gun you hold in your coat pocket. But you don't want any noise, do you? It might awaken the others in the house. So you wait for him to come down and follow him out to the tool shed. You decide to maneuver into position and get behind him and bring the gun butt down on his head. Yes, it'll be as simple as that. Then you can get away in his car. You watch for an opening. He's a big man, isn't he, Walter? And you know you can't afford to miss. I think this container will do it. Yeah, that should be fine. There'll be enough gas to get you to the next town. A couple of stations there. Okay. How about a hand? Uh, here, you hold this while I tip the drum over. Well, here, take it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It'll count there. Uh, uh, oh. Knocked over that glass jug of cleaning fluid. Just smashed it. <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm nervous. No, it's again. okay, just forget it. Now, here we go. Yeah. Hold the can up a bit. Like this? That's it. All right. Now, how far down the road did you say you were? Oh, a couple of miles, I guess. Uh-huh. I'll be with you in a sec, as soon as I'm off this floor up. Don't like to leave that cleaning fluid all over the floor. No, no. Now, Walker, it's the opportunity you've been waiting for, isn't it? You watch him as he picks up a rag. Then he kneels his back to you. You move slowly toward him. Then as you bring the gun out of your pocket... Drop it, Mr. Stone. What? Drop it, I said. Hey, 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 what's going on here? What's the idea? The idea, Mr. Jensen, is you're about to help an escaped prisoner. Escaped prisoner? What the... Hey, that's my shotgun you got there. That's right. I was just coming into your yard when I saw the two of you leaving the house. I've lived in these Arizona parts long enough to know there's usually a shotgun behind every ranch kitchen door. Say, I've seen you summers before, ain't I? That's right. I'm Doris Weatherby. Stenographer in the county assessor's office. That's right, sure. Now, well, here, you better let me have that gun. With pleasure. But keep them covered. Thanks. 
Now, what's this all about? That man, his name is Walter Stone. He escaped from the jail back in Weatherby. Did he? Oh, she, she doesn't know what she's talking about. That, that's, that's ridiculous. What were you aiming to do with that forty-five young fellow when my oh. back was turned out? Oh, now, up? look, Mr. Jensen, you, you got this all wrong. I, I don't w- think so. Mr. Jensen, do you have a phone? Nope. I guess we'll just have to take him back in town and uh, pick up there. You drive, miss? Yes, of course. All right, get moving, Stone. Okay. Okay, I guess you win. Say, I, I uh, don't suppose the condemned man could have a cigarette, huh? I never use him. Here. Keep the pack. Oh, thank you. Thanks a lot, sweetheart. I'm eternally grateful. <laughs> Very grateful, aren't you, Walter? The idea occurs to you suddenly, doesn't it? As you gaze at the pool of cleaning fluid on the floor of the tool shed. It's a gamble, isn't it? The cleaning fluid may or may not be inflammable, but it's well worth the try. You light the cigarette, and then as you inhale deeply, you flip the match toward the fluid-soaked rag on the floor. Hey, what's up? A sudden rush of flame startles Jess. You knock the shotgun from his hands and race to the door. But you know that Jess isn't going to shoot right away, don't you, Walter? With your gun and his lying on the floor and the fire rising rapidly. Over your shoulder, you can see Doris helping him try to battle the flames. Then you lose sight of them. Good evening. Are what? you the doc? Yes, oh. uh, Dr. Summers. Okay, get in. Oh, I, huh? I don't want any trouble. You're an old man. Your bones won't stand for any rough stuff. Now, you play it smart. You just do as I say. You won't get hurt. You're Walter Stone, aren't you? The radio. Yeah, that's right. You can skip the lecture. What do you want? I picked up a couple of bad cuts off a barbed wire fence. I want you to patch me up. And I'm going to take your car keys. My car? That is yours, isn't it? Parked alongside the house? Yes. Don't be a fool. You won't get away. Oh, sure I will, Doc. And you're going to help me. You just pick up that telephone, see? Pick it up, I said. I'm not afraid of you, Stone. And you might as well take your hand out of your pocket. I don't think you have a gun there. Pretty smart old duffer, ain't you? Maybe I'll find something to... Persuade you with you. What's in this cabinet? Be careful. Those test tubes. Why, what's in them, Doc? I've been making some experiments. What kind of experiments? You wouldn't understand. But they could be important to the lives of thousands of people. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh, Doc. All right. With one sweep of my hand, I can... No, don't! Pick up the phone. All right. Now, you call the sheriff. The sheriff? The sheriff. I'm figuring on heading south. The Mexican border isn't far away. I don't understand. You call the sheriff. You tell him you just come from that schoolhouse up at Dodge Junction, 20 miles north of here. You treated a man for a bullet wound. You didn't like the story he told you. You think he's Walter Stone. Do you get the picture? Yes, I get the picture. All right, then. The phone. I'll take care of it. Operator, would you connect me with the sheriff's office? It's an emergency. It's an emergency. Thank you. 
Come on, act more excited now. He's got to believe you. And no tricks. Uh, no tricks. Uh. You just remember those test tubes, Doc. I wouldn't hesitate, you know. I know. Hello? Uh, uh, Sergeant, this is Dr. Summers. Out on the Turner Road? That's right. I, I want to report something. A suspicious character. A suspicious character. Uh, yes, uh, a man that I was forced to treat for a bullet wound. No, go on. He, 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 he told me a, a strange story. I, I think he might be that man they're talking about on the radio. Walter Stone, the one who shot Fred Weatherby. That's it, that's it. Uh, what? Uh, yes, Sergeant. He's hiding in that schoolhouse at Dodd's Junction, 20 miles north of here. Oh, that's enough. Good. <laughs> oh, okay, Doc, okay. All right, now, let's see. Uh, uh, you got a basement here? Yes. All right, show me. Well, go on down the stairs. But, uh, Don't worry, I'm just going to tie you up. I can't have you getting back on that phone the second I leave, hollering. Do you really expect to get away with yeah, this? Your car looks to be as good as the sheriff's, maybe better. I'm going to stick to the back road. Look, I wouldn't... You wouldn't what, Doc? As you leave Dr. Summers, bound and gagged in the basement of his home, it doesn't seem possible that only a few hours have passed since you heard the angry crowd outside the jail, following your arrest for shooting Fred Weatherby, becoming panic-stricken, running away, leaving him fatally wounded. You slip behind the wheel of Dr. Summers' car and head south. The road to Mexico is open. You're certain of that, aren't you, Walter? Yes, because you know at this moment the police cars in the area are converging on a schoolhouse 20 miles to the north. A few minutes after you leave the doctor's house, you turn off the main highway into a side road and presently pull up at a gas station. Evening, sir. Fill her up? Uh, yeah, might as well. It's almost empty. A good thing you stopped. There isn't another station between here and the border. How far is it to the border? About 30 miles. Uh. Unless you take a shortcut. Oh? That knocks off about five miles. Uh-oh, here come the cops again. Oh, they sure been busy tonight. Looking for somebody, I guess. Seem to be in an awful hurry. Yeah. Heading north. Uh, you did say to fill her up, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Good thing you got here when you did, too. I was just about ready to close up and go on home. <laughs> Well, I guess I'm pretty lucky then, huh? <laughs> that you are, mister. That you are. In the glare of the spotlights from the ambulance and police cars on the road above, the sheriff made his way down the steep embankment to the wrecked auto in the ravine examined the still figure sitting behind the wheel, talked briefly with the ambulance doctor, then turned away and walked to where another man was standing. Fine. Oh, you, uh, you the fellow who put in the call to my office? Yeah, I work at the signal gas station down the road. Uh-huh. Did you, uh, did you see this happen? No, but I must have come by right afterwards. See, on my way home, I spotted the busted guardrail and, and stopped, and then I saw the wrecked car here. Called your office right away. Uh-huh. You know, it's a funny thing. The driver of that wrecked car stopped at our station and asked me how far it was to the border. Oh. 
His name was Walter Stone. Now, it isn't hard to figure how this happened. Road being in the shape it's in. Yeah, Stone must have been going along at a good clip. Smacked into the rocks and dirt up there. Gosh, if I'd known the landslide hadn't been cleared off, I could have warned him. I saw that landslide pile up this afternoon. I called Fred Weatherby at the county courthouse. He said he'd send a crew out. Then, uh, you haven't heard about Fred? Huh? What do you mean? Fred Weatherby was accidentally shot in his car this afternoon. The man who shot him ran away. Left him to die. Fred Weatherby? Yes. Yeah, I guess poor Fred was driving out to tell the road crew when he was shot. The dead man there in the car, Walter Stone, shot him. Listen next week when once again the United States Air Forces in Europe present The Whistler. Welcome back. Well, I have to give credit to the creative team on The Whistler for creating a product placement for the sponsor Signal Oil that made it past uh, military uh, censors. One rule for programs that aired on the armed forces uh, radio services and their successor entities was that they wouldn't air the commercials. But something like this, where you have a product placement embedded, you can't take out. Now, I doubt that was why it was written in there. It was a case of, we've got someone who's running a service station. Why not make it a signal service station? This is very much a variation on the classic Whistler story. Now, typically, we see a character who is on the cusp of doing something illegal or unethical that will push them into the dark. Much like with the program we presented last week, our protagonist has already taken a step in that direction. But most of the Whistler programs were morality tales. And this one is a good example. Even though it's more about a guy on a run, so it kind of has a something in common with, say, Suspense or another series that aired for a while on NBC called The Chase. Essentially, the protagonist is a fearful person who refuses to face uh, and deal with the consequences of his actions. And we're also told that he's a big guy. And one takeaway from this story is that a big guy who is fearful and amoral is nearly as dangerous as one who is vicious. But his failings get him in the end as the man he accidentally killed and chose not to render aid to was unable to report the road conditions that led to his demise. It was good, I think, that the accidental killing happened off-air. I'm still not sure how exactly it happened, how you accidentally shoot someone you just met, but the program doesn't give us time to really delve into those sort of questions. It moves pretty quickly. I would also tend to expect that the Signal Oil Man would have uh, noticed that the road crew had not come out in his direction. 
And on second thought, I don't know if it was all that good of a placement for Signal Oil, because leaving aside the morality of our main character, he was asking for directions and guidance, and our service station attendant didn't even think to say something like, well, there is a shortcut, uh, but you should be aware there was a landslide down there. Um, I don't know if the construction crew is still out there. Uh, they may have repaired it, but you know, just be aware. So if you take the shortcut, you might run into that. That is the type of information, particularly if I'm not familiar with an area that I want to get from my service station attendant. So I don't think I would want to go to a service station where they send me off to a road hazard. Don't mention it was there recently and just assume that it got cleaned up. So on second thoughts, maybe the writer should have made the guy uh, someone who was working for Conoco. All right, well, that will actually do it for today. Uh, we'll be back next Wednesday with another look at a lost episode of The Whistler. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.